look forward to hearing God's word. Good morning. Lovely to see you. I just, when we were worshipping, following on from Glendon's prophetic word about the body, I just, I felt that God wants to encourage every single one of you. Sometimes we, when we look at the body parts, we think, well, you know, if you didn't have this body part, uh, would, you know, the church, the body wouldn't work. And in that same scripture, then it, that God says that some of the parts that you don't even see are actually more important. And whether it's me preaching or the guys leading worship, the ladies doing the hosting, the guys on the back desk there, the people who we can't see at the moment because they're looking after kids, you're playing a role. No one's more important. You're playing the role that God's called you to, and you're using the gifting that God's given you. And I want to encourage every single one of you. Here, I look at you and think of what you do with the, with the poor. And, and I could go around the room. Please don't be offended if I have left you out. But let's show up, church, and let's get involved. I think God wants to, and he just wants to encourage you. You're important. You, you, every single one of you, you're important. Let's play our role. So if I, do you, you know those forms? It's less, I think, now. Maybe you can correct me. But when you, you fill out these forms, often online now, and one of the questions is, what is your religion? Hey, have you filled, you've seen those? You know, and there's this list. Uh, Buddhist, Baptist, I'm just, you know, Roman Catholic, and you name it. Um, there's never usually Christian, is there? And I don't know what you do. I often put other Christian. <laughs> um, or again, if you, when you're at work, and if you say to a work colleague, I'm born again, you know, do you get this? And you know they're thinking, oh, dear, needy, unsuccessful, obviously emotional and depressed, oh, not even pretty, or not even handsome, and look at that body, oh, shame, shame, poor them. And, and you're branded in that way, aren't you? <laughs> you tend to be branded like that. And what is the word? The question is, what does the word say about it? What does the word say about born again? And I think of young man. Sorry, I'm just thinking about this. I thought there was one. I don't need God. I'm successful. I've made it. I'm rich. I don't need God. I don't need somebody telling me what to do. I want to make my own choices, my own moral choices. Who? I don't want this moral straitjacket. I want to be me, you know, be all that I can be. I don't need God. I'll have God on my own terms. Very common in the world today, isn't it? It's, quite, it's very sad. They do not understand the new birth. And I wondered as I prepped this, do we understand the new birth? Do we really understand it? And I figure we really won't really get it until we get to heaven <laughs> because we'll be like, ugh. Wow. So is it just an emotional, religious experience? Religious. Or is it a radical, eternal, life-changing event? So turn with me to John chapter 3. We're in our series of John, and we're looking today at chapter 3, and we're reading the first eight verses. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. 
I'm reading from the ESV. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice Nicodemus wasn't asking that. God's interrupted him. Jesus interrupted him. I say to you, you can't, you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus obviously a bit like, you but sarcastic, yeah. Can a man be born when he's old? I mean, look at me, dude. Can he enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, you know, get real, get real. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus, my prayer today, and I continue what I've prayed this week, is set a, light the fire of our understanding of our incredible salvation. Light that fire, Holy Father. I pray for your spirit to be upon me, to, or to anoint me, to help me to speak what you want to say. And I pray for every person here that they will let go of maybe things that they've had, perceptions that they've had, and get a deeper understanding of what it is to be born again. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to answer these three questions. What, why do I need to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? And what's next? So why do I need to be born again? In these eight verses, twice, John says, you need to be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting in the rest of the Gospel of John, he doesn't mention kingdom of heaven very often. But in these eight verses, he mentions it twice. And he's talking to Nicodemus. So we have to look at Nicodemus. Who is he? He is not loony. He is not a weak man. He's not off the fringe. He's not depressed. He's not needy. He's a good man. He's a Pharisee. Well steeped in the word. He knew the word of God. He's, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, so he's doing his civic duty in, in the council. He's respectful to Jesus. He admires him. He sees you're a teacher from God, a teacher from God, because no one can do these miracles unless God is with him. He believes in miracles. He believes that God is with Jesus in a big way. But there, Jesus interrupts him and says, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. So now we need to say, okay, so here's Nicodemus, a, a worthy man, high up, all that stuff. What, is he, what does Nicodemus think when God says to see the kingdom of heaven? 
So because Nicodemus is a scholar, he knows God is talking, or Jesus, and he is God, is talking about the end of the age. That one day, because it's through the Old Testament, God is going to restore and he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth one day. Now, this is not just a Jewish understanding. We all believe it in one way or another. And I could give you many examples, but the, in the, at that time, in the Greek philosophy, they talked about palinogenesis. Palin, which means again, genesis, which means born. And they believe that the world, every so often, the universe needs to be purged, destroyed, and start again. Think of the Hindus. They believe in reincarnation. You have to be remade. You know, you have to keep on doing. The scientists, I mean, I'm, my dad was an incredibly well-steeped man in science, and he said every so often, this world's getting too full. It needs to be purged again. It needs another ice age, or it needs, you know, a, a comet to strike us. It's a common belief that there is this need for recreation. But what Nicodemus realizes Jesus is saying is here, here is you need that recreation power now in you. That's why Nicodemus is like, what? How can that be? How can I have the power that's going to recreate the heavens one day in me now? It's like a time machine, the future coming in now into the, me or you as a person. So what is, we cannot underestimate that power. We have God's power, and hear me carefully here, the actual power of God, but partially because we have this human frame. We have this flesh. But we have that power. When you are born again, and only when you are born again, will you see the kingdom of God? Will you experience the power of Jesus? God's, we're all this, and if you think about it, everyone is the same level when it comes to that. Nicodemus is a, a sorted man. He's got everything going for him. You look at the poorest, the woman at the well. You look at yourself. You look at anyone and you think, you know, we're all on different levels, whether it's financially, you know, brains, all those things. But when it comes to spirituality, we're on exactly the same level. We come to him the same. No matter how broken you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter how hurting you are, no matter how sussed you feel, you come to God at the same level. That's why we need it. Only way. Only way. So what does it mean then? Okay, so I need this power. What does it mean to have this power? What does it mean? What actually transpires? It's a radical transformation from the inside out. Jesus had to halt Nicodemus because Nicodemus sees Jesus as a teacher. What do teachers do? They give you ways to live. 
They help you to reform. They help you to be a better person. You must do this and you must do that. Every religion, every religion, every way of life. Well, if you do this, then you'll be successful in business. If you do this, then you'll get closer to God. So come to church. Well, I must just read my Bible more. I must just pray more. And we do all that stuff to try and get to God. But the only way to see the kingdom of God is to be born again. Think of an orange tree. So I've got this lacquer, I've got a lacquer orange orchard. I don't pretend. Lacquer orange orchard. And I grow oranges. And I want to improve my oranges. I want them to be nicer oranges. So what can I do? I can fertilize it. Glenn will be able to tell me more what I can do, but I can give it the right food. I can compost it. I can prune it. I can do all those things. And then I think, you know, but I want my orchard, my orange orchard to give me apples. No matter what I do, it's not giving me apples. <laughs> Come on, orange orchard. No matter what I do, do you agree? We might get lacquer oranges. We might get nice big fruit and lots of fruit. But I'm never going to get an apple, no matter how hard I try. And that's like when we do religion. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you are, no matter how many teachers you listen to, no matter how many preachers you listen to, no matter how many times you come to church, if you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. God digs up those roots. He digs up the old me. And he makes me brand new. A new creation. So that I can produce apples. New birth is an action of God. It transforms the heart. He gives me a brand new identity. A brand new way of looking at life. A new me. I wrote this down. God calls into, he calls God, not Laney, not you. God calls into existence a new creature with a new nature, new habits, new tastes, new desires, new appetites, new judgments, new opinions, new hopes, new fears. All of this and more. When God says, you need the new birth. But there's more on this because he said, that, why does he say it a second time? It's such an intriguing verse, and I really had to delve into this one. John 3, verse 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's been widely interpreted in many ways. Probably one of the most common, I don't know what you think, but some believe it's water baptism. So you've got it, the water, born of the water. If you're not baptized, water baptism, or sprinkled, you, you can't get into the kingdom of God. I don't believe that is true. If you look at the rest of Scripture in the context, I do not believe that is a right way of thinking. Water baptism is important. It's, it's an act of obedience, for what Scripture says, but it's not going to save you. It's not going to help you to be born again. You don't need to do it to be born again. You need to do it to obey God. Please hear me. If you're not water baptized, please get water baptized. It's an act of obedience. My thought for many years, and up to two days ago, <laughs> was that it's referring to physical birth. You're born of the water, you know, breaking of water through the womb, and, and 
And, but I think from having done my studies, read some theologians, it's not that either. So what is it? <laughs> Nicodemus, remember, knew the scripture. And we need to go back to Ezekiel. There's an incredible verse, two verses in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 and 26. Ezekiel speaking about when Jesus comes and what's going to happen with the new covenant. I, God, will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. From all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Born again by the water and the spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Why? And it's, it's got even more context to it because if you think of natural birth, now particularly go back, and it's difficult, go back to those days when, when Jesus is saying this and in Nicodemus's understanding, natural birth was hectic. No epidurals, <laughs> no Caesars, no understanding the baby's in breach and needs to be turned around because you can't scan it. Dirty conditions, people not really understanding the human physique. Women risked death when they gave birth to a baby, and many died. Many died in the, in the process of giving birth. The only, so Jesus is saying the only way to get new birth is when someone is prepared to die for you. Jesus died for us. He gave up his all that we might be born again. That we might be born of the water and of the spirit. He willingly gave it all up for you and for me. If you've accepted him as Lord and Savior. And it's the only way. It's the only way. All other way, no God has died and gone through that pain for you or for me. That's why when we read Hebrews, it says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. You are his joy. He saw you on the cross, giving it up for you, that you might be born again and have fellowship with Lord God Almighty. How do we respond to that? How do we respond to this idea that this is what new birth is, this radical transformation, changed from the inside out? I think first we've got to understand with all our heart that I cannot save myself. I cannot save myself. And, it's not, and I know we're talking new birth, but as Christians, I can't keep on saving myself. I can't do it my way. I need to do it his way. And acknowledge that I'm on the same basis. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty good because look at me. I'm not like that sinner over there. I'm on the same level when it comes to our sin, when it comes to our poverty in terms of our spirituality. We're on the same level. And we've got to acknowledge that. We are not superior in any way, any one of us. And I choose to give up. And this is a big one in the world today. 
I choose to give up my right to self-determination. I give up that right that I'm going to be who I make myself to be. It's a world thing. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says, give up yourself, just paraphrasing, keep back nothing, nothing. Give it all to him daily. We do it once and we're born again, but we need to keep on giving it up, don't we? Because we tend to say, ah, oh, I can do this. I can do it with my old flesh. I want to do it with my old flesh. I don't want to do it God's way. It's quicker this way or it's easier this way or I think I can do better. You might not actually think that, but you're doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. I repent for trying to save myself. Jesus, I am sorry that I cannot save myself. I see I need to be saved. I need to be a better person. I want to be a better person. I cannot do it myself. I am sorry for trying over and over. And believe, repent and believe in what he has done on the cross for you and for me. And then we are reborn of the water and of the spirit. So then what's next? We're born again. And I trust many of you here are. And if you're not, please do not leave this. Be honest with yourself. I've done the religious thing. Here I am sitting at church. And I always come to church because it's the right thing to do. If he hasn't radically changed your life, repent and believe. It's a glorious road. Glorious road. Tough, but glorious. So what's next? Glendon sent me this quote from Spurgeon in the week. Conversion, being born again, is turning onto the right road. The next thing to do is to walk on it. <laughs> walk on that road. When we're born again, Jesus said, when you're born again, you're going to see the kingdom of God. You will see the king, King Jesus. And it changes us. You, if you look in the Bible, I mean, there's myriads of people. But just think, I thought of Peter and Paul. Peter, this headstrong fisherman, love him to bits. Put his foot in his mouth over and over. Eventually he says, no, I don't know him. No, nothing to do with that, Jesus. What happens to Peter? He gives that incredible sermon at the beginning of Acts to the whole, everyone congregated. 5,000 are saved. And one day he gives, he's, he's crucified. He's, the, the tradition says he's crucified upside down for his Jesus. He would not give in who he believed in. Paul radically changed. Killing, from killing Christians to encouraging Christians and to telling people how you've got to know Jesus. Lost his head eventually. John, who's writing this book, I don't know if you know, but Domitian, the emperor, when John was around, tried to, he didn't, he basically got, all the, all the apostles were killed, except for John, but not for lack of trying. He was put in a vat of oil. Think about that. He was boiled in a vat of oil, but he didn't die. And I think Domitian thought, okay, 
put him on Patmos. Goodness gracious, let's get rid of this dude. Because God had a purpose still for him. He needed John to write the book of Revelation. Where would we be if John had not, if John had boiled in that vat? God knows. God knows when your time is. He is in control. He loves you. He's got you. Your new identity, your new purpose. And let's look at um, Nicodemus. Oh, I, li- I like Nicodemus. I, would, I reckon he was a really cool old guy. And so he comes in the night. Did you notice that? Because he doesn't want anyone to see what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. He's a Pharisee, and he's going to dread this teacher. So he sneaks in by night. I need to ask you a few questions. Don't tell anyone I'm here. <laughs> a few chapters later, we'll read it when we get there, but John 7, verse 51, he's in the Sanhedrin in front of all his mates, and he defends Jesus. Not directly, but he's because they're talking about how, what do we do with this man? What do we do with him? People are loving him. He's doing all these miracles. What do we, but we, you know, he's wrong. He's not, he's, not the, he's not the son of God. Nicodemus says, does our Lord judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? What's happening to Nicodemus? I believe he got born again that night. And the new Nicodemus is starting to be seen. But he does something even more radical, guys. When Jesus dies on the cross, and I think we miss this. Well, I know I don't, I didn't think about it enough. Two men, where are all the disciples? Hiding. Everyone's gone. You, you follow Jesus, you might die. I'm not going to follow him. Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea go to Pilate to say, please, can we have the body? They take the body off the cross. They clothe him. They wrap him. And they take that body and they put it in the tomb. Incredibly, number one, bold move. Because they might get killed for this. Highly likely, looking at what happened to Jesus. But, you know, even more than that, they were doing, look at Nicodemus, this Lani Pharisee, is doing a job that only women and servants did. Men did not wrap bodies. Men had, no, you know, that's, that's, that's below me. That's woman's job or servant's job. What's happened to Nicodemus? He's been born again. He hasn't got that racial discrimination in terms of classes anymore, in terms of men and women. He, he's changing and he's becoming more like Jesus because he's seen the king. Have you seen the king? You can't see rebirth. That's why John writes, it's like the wind. You know, if you stand there and the wind's going, I've tried to tell my, my granddaughter, I talk often about the wind, I say, open the window, what's your hair doing? Blowing, can you see the wind? Yes, I can see the wind. I said, no, you can't, where's the wind? <laughs> I said, you can see what the wind's doing, but you can't see the wind. When you get born again, what happens? We see what the wind's doing. We see the change that's happening in us. So I have to ask, going on what Spurgeon said, are you walking on the road? You're born again. I'm fine. I'm born again. I'm going to just park here. (sighs) Going to heaven. 
I'm just going to do what I like. When I like, I'm going to heaven. I'm pure. Or are we walking on that road because of this great sacrifice that's been done for us? So I want to live for him. How can, I, how can I thank God? How do we thank God for what he's done? We walk on the road. What do you want me to do today, Jesus? What have you got in plan for me, Jesus? No, I'm too busy. You know, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to be worried. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, excuse me. Are we walking on the road? Not because we have to. Not because it's going to change that I've got this fire in me. We don't have to light the fire, guys. If you are born again, the fire is lit. But we need to stir it up now and again. And realize we've sort of, you know, put a little bit of a cover on it. Because it's, you know, it's just inconvenient at the moment. I want to do this. I want to sleep with my girlfriend. I want to party and get a bit, you know, over the top. I just want to swear when I'm with my friends because, you know, I've got to look like a cool dude. Whatever it is, I want to not pay the tax man. I want to be nasty in the, in the corporate world and just do my own way. There's so many things. I'm just mentioning a few. I want to cut someone off in the traffic. Everything. <laughs> He's forgiven. But he wants to stir the fire. He wants to stir the fire. Let's stir each other up. What Glendon shared about bringing a word. What are you doing? Guys, I see the fire in each one of us. This is going to, I want to light that fire. I want to get it going. Will the band come up as we're ending off here? Don't you want to see more of him? Don't you want people to see more of him? Don't you want to see your neighbor born again? Don't you want to see that workly colleague born again? We're not going to go and Bible bash them. What are we going to do? We're going to walk on the road. Hear what he asks us to do. Do what he asks us to do. As scary as sometimes it is. I look at Rene and Vim. I'm going to pull you up just right here. Rene, may I share it? <laughs> Really, a while ago, she had a dream. She says, I just, just a dream about helping the poor. She had a dream. God put that dream in there. But you know what she's done? She's walked in it. She's put feet to it. And she's walking in that dream because the fire is in her. And she wants to walk, to worship Jesus, to give him the glory, to see people saved, born again. It's a glorious thing. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. You have the power of God in you. I really believe we need to respond. As Guy encouraged us, we can sit there and say, yeah, nice word, okay, or not so nice word, or why did she say that, or whatever. Respond to God. I trust you're all born again, but I don't know. I can't look into your heart, only God. You might look like the really religious, cool person. You do everything right, but you're not born again. God sees your heart. But then Christian, born again, believer, with the fire of God in you, let's walk on the road that he's called us to walk because we love him, because we're grateful. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's just stand as I pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you. 